welcome back to 10 10 10 to 10 10 10 going goes to the movies yeah we went there in person we did it we went back to the year 2011 um it was great probably it was great uh, everyone was getting really excited about obama getting a second term uh, yeah uh, yeah we were celebrating 10 years of 9-11 period i was wearing ugg boots and jeans yeah i think the fuck did i do in 2011 i must have already been in Ger- yeah i was already in germany for a while uh i yeah we watched the adventures of tintin um i'm janusz by the way yeah hi i'm sarah I watched the Adventures of Tintin, Steven Spielberg movie uh, from the year 2011, starring... Yeah, this cast, huh? Starring Jamie Bell as Tintin, the okay. most famous person here. I, I, do, I don't know who Jamie Bell was, but I didn't yeah. know who everyone else was. Everyone, yeah. Jamie Bell as Tintin, Andy Serkis as Captain Haddock, um, Danielle Craig as Saccharin. Oh, Nick he was, Frost he was and Billy Simon Elliot. Pegg as okay. uh, Thompson and Thompson. Toby Jones as Aristide Silk. Uh, Mackenzie Crook is in here playing one of the thugs. Who uh, played uh, Castafiore? Castafiore is played by Kim Stengel. I don't know who this person is. Okay. Maybe she's like just an actual opera singer. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't have like the most major role. So yeah, she's a theater actress. It, it makes so sense I think if she, they just got I an opera singer. I think they just singer. got an opera singer, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Toby Jones is the guy who's a little guy. Yeah, he's the kleptomaniac. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm still recovering from watching this movie. This was a fucking movie. This was... Everything happened so much. This 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 is this is pure cinema. Yeah, no, how long was the movie? It was an hour and 46 minutes. <laughs> what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was at least three hours long. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> It was, it was, and 10 Hello? minutes of that was credit, so it's like just, just what? cuts above the 90 minute mark, yeah. Are, are you serious? This movie really makes, like, other movies look bad. Uh, yeah, like, I, I, I was sitting there, and, like, at about the sort of, I don't even know what point in the movie, because I'm watching you stream it, so I can't, like, mouse over it to see, like, what percentage of the movie yeah. we are through. But at about sort of, like, the part where they get onto the Karabudian and, like, mm-hmm. which I guess now we know how to say that. I think we said it that way before, anyway. Anyway, but, like, at about the part that we meet Haddock, I'm like, oh my god, this must be, like, most of the way through the movie. Like, so much has happened already. Like, Yeah, and- it has, like, it has, like, three Tintin books worth of content, I feel like. yeah. Like it's it's Secrets of the Unicorn, but it's also the Crab with Golden Claws, um, and and it also we kind of fast we sort of skip through Red Rackham's Treasure straight yeah. to the end of Red Rackham's Treasure. Yeah, we kind of get the ending of that. Uh, it has a bit of a Calculus Affair style chase sequence. Uh, yeah, and like as we mentioned, like Castafiore is in it, which I don't think she is in. No, any of those. Um. And and just absolutely jam-packed full of, like, little references to stuff. It has, like, so many bits that are, like, one-to-one, like a comic panel. Yeah, and but, but at the same time, it's so completely original. Like It's so cinematic, right? Like, it's a, 
it's it's a movie as movie, right? Yeah, but okay, okay, okay. I, I mentioned I had like a thesis with a capital yes. T about this movie, and it, it wasn't a particularly good thesis. But the thesis is that this is like a Steven Spielberg like Ouroboros, because yeah. like watching this movie made me realize that the way Steven Spielberg does movies and the reason that Steven Spielberg is like that comes itself from Tintin. From and Tintin, like, yeah. This is now him going back and doing Tintin and sort of like Sephiroth one-winged angel style <laughs> assuming his final form, like with like his ultimate power of just like to make the most movie yeah. movie ever. Like, I think you're exactly right. Like, and like the <sighs> the newest the newest Spielberg movie, right? Was uh, was the West Side Story remake, which is him making like remaking what he says is his favorite movie, right? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people were like, yeah, this is like this movie is like a great cover version of um, <laughs> of a movie, right? Like he 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 shows off like his own talents, but also just like loves to pay homage to. Uh, to the original West Side Story. Now, I haven't seen that movie, but like mm-hmm. the p- people who were talking about that just like forget that he already made like the Adventures of Tintin. Because <laughs> this is, let me let me say it this way. I've seen I looked on Letterboxd and like some of the most popular reviews where people were like, "Wow, what a great like secret fifth Indiana Jones movie." But it's the other way around. Right? Yeah, no. Like everything he did with Indiana Jones, he's is, like was like him making Tintin movies. Yeah, Indiana Jones is Tintin fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my other thesis statement about this movie is that uh you know, when you give when you give Steven Spielberg like the options to make a fun movie, like a fun adventure movie, he's the best at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, you know, a lot of his movies have, like, their ideological issues, like, whenever he wants to, like, make a statement movie, right? Like, whenever he gets to, he gets to make a Saving Private Ryan or a Schindler's mm. List, you know, he's, step, he's stepping into, into a minefield, and that's, but, but that's, those are, like, the, fa- the movies that he's, like, acclaimed for, but this is, this is my favorite type of Spielberg, when he, like, does just a pure action movie or a pure, like, adventure movie. I mean, that's... Because this shit is in his blood. That in itself is also kind of Tintin fan fiction because like that's exactly yeah. the like the soup that Hergé swims in like it's it's so like adventure capital A like as a genre like yeah. in the way that this is again this was so like like pure and distilled of like what Spielberg and Tintin is where there was like oh you know action sequences check mystery plot developing check comedy bits check um and it's like i I guess with with other bits like ah like colonialism and orientalism which are Mm -hmm. quite inherent to the adventure genre yeah yeah it doesn't completely sidestep um having uh having traces of the oriental stuff of tintin Although it mostly does a pretty jo- good job at like not making it super bad. Yeah, it, it sort of like goes past it as fast as it can, so you don't yeah. really glimpse it out the window. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's mostly just like the concept of treasure. It is sort of a colonial mindset. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just it's a fucking good movie. <laughs> it's this movie fucking slaps. This is I didn't expect this. And 
which is weird because I have seen this movie before. Really? Uh, but I don't know. I just maybe I just wasn't in the right mood, or I wasn't like. It's been like when I when I first saw this movie, it's been a while since I I read the Tintin book, so I uh-huh. was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but but watching this like after having read all of Tintin is so cathartic. Yeah, the, like fucking, because <laughs> you said at some points you're like mentioned in chat and you're like oh my god like my jaw is on the floor and like yeah likewise i watched most of this movie like with my hands sort of covering my mouth and face just like holy fuck it's just so remarkably good at translating what is good about tintin to like the media of like to the audiovisual medium like being yeah. motion right yeah. Uh, but at the same time, and, and there's some specific stuff like in the stylistic choices that I want to talk about in that regard. Mm. Um, yeah, we should definitely talk about like the animation and style and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because I think it, I think it fucking slaps. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, it's so good at translating what makes Tintin great without like directly adapting one book, which yeah. is uh, really impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, like the way it. The way it mashes up, like, mainly Crab with the Golden Claws and uh, uh, Secret of the Unicorn mm-hmm. works really well for most of it. Yeah. Like, again, like, going into the plot, sort of, like, because Haddock isn't there at the start, like, um, yeah. and Haddock sort of gets introduced, and, like, they're, they're doing the start of Secret of the Unicorn, and I'm just like, mm, Haddock isn't here, like, how is this going to work? But then they make it work, like, so well, and I'm just yeah. left, like... Pogging, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that in a little bit. Uh, maybe, like... I don't know. I don't think we need to talk about, like, the backstory of the movie. Who cares? Uh, but it's I do want to one. talk about, like, the way it mm. the way it looks and the way it's animated. Because, you know, one of the things we, like... In the lead-up to this, right? Um, several of our guests were like, yeah, I've seen this movie. And they were either, like, uh, it was surprisingly good... Or they were like, it looked kind of weird. Um, and I was, you know, I also remembered it, like, you know, not being bothered by the way it's animated, but it's still, mm-hmm. like, it being a, mo- a mocap animated movie is, like, raises red flags. <laughs> yeah. Because that shit can look weird. Yeah. Yeah, However, we, we know the, polar exp- the famous <laughs> Polar Express effect. Yeah. However, However, watching this movie... In 2022, when, like... This movie came out fucking 11 years ago! How does this look so good? Like, I am convinced that this is the only way they could have, like... uh, Other than, like, making straight 2D animation. Uh, But even, I think, for for Steven Spielberg, this is the only way that making this movie makes sense. Okay, I've got a thing here. Yes. Do you remember when the Cowboy Bebop live-action came out... Uh-huh. And everyone was writing like little like Twitter thread think pieces about like why animation is the only medium in which Cowboy Bebop or like yeah. an action movie, an action thing like Cowboy Bebop could work because like animation fucking extends the limitation of human movement and shit like that. Yes. And they were like, everyone's like, oh, like it should have stayed animation. Like this movie like does both of the things, if you know what I mean. Yes. Like, it has the effect of, like, the realisticness of live action. But then because it's animated, you can just go absolutely off the shits, and they do. 
Yeah, that's and there's there's some like there's some like standout moments in that. Uh, it's and it it works it works particularly well because of Hergé's like Lynch Claire style, right? Like b- because like his well because the way his comics are drawn, right? Is that it's not the like super dynamic, uh, insane lines all the time, like the you know the figures are like all the characters are all like contained within, even though they don't obviously don't look like realistic humans, right? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like a subdued style of like drawing like human motion and stuff. So it works well with like these. It works well with mocap in a way that you know the movements of the actors do for the most part look like human movement right like Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be like really wild over exaggerated animation yeah like it's Uh, not visibly doing the fucked up like sasuke neck twist from like exaggerated animation uh but then there's like some moments like like when uh, haddock is caught like spinning in the in the plane's propeller right yeah (laughs) when it like becomes super cartoonish in a way that like Straight up live action couldn't be. Yeah, God, Tintin really got decapitated in this movie. Yeah. Think about that. (sighs) Jesus. Um, Yeah, like the the only, I don't know, Tintin's face looks a little bit weird, but not distractingly. Yeah, Uh, and it's like, because I think Tintin is probably the most, like, person that looks like like just a fresh-faced boy in this. Um, and then you get to characters like the Thompsons, who just, they look like, like, that is not what a human looks like, but, like, it doesn't bother you? <laughs> no. The Thompsons just look like, look like they're made out of dough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, and then there's Haddock, who, Andy Serkis's performance, like, Andy Serkis's mocap performance as Haddock is amazing. <laughs> like, Hey, um, I lost my mind when Haddock was introduced and he was fucking Scottish? Yes. <laughs> I absolutely did not expect that. Like, that not I did, how I... No. Yeah, not how I uh, expected Haddock to be. But it uh, works. But he pulls it off. It, it makes sense. Yeah. And he does such a hardy job because this movie kind of has... It has... Um, it has crab with the golden claws Haddock. Uh, mm-hmm. But also later Haddock. Like, it kind of needs the two together. Yeah. Which is tough, because, like, as we said in the Crab with the Golden Claws episode, like, he's just not the same character. Yeah, it um, it, it does get a little weird sometimes when Haddock's behavior is changing, but they're also, they sort of mesh that in with sort of, like, a sobriety thing. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like they're using the fucked up way that Hergé thinks alcohol works to their advantage yeah (laughs) to just like do this like personality switch type shit and then also there's like a level of like fucking demon slayer style ancestral memory stuff going on yeah which is really weird and to be honestly i don't really buy it it doesn't really make sense it kind of takes me out of it a little but also i'm here for the ride at this point (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, there's some there's some weird writing stuff, but I think it works. Thank you, yeah, I think, Stephen I Moffat. Think the, <laughs> thank you, Moffat. Yeah, it was written by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright, and um, Joe Cornish. I've, I've heard of Joe Cornish. Why have I heard of Joe Cornish? Name. We all know Joe Cornish. Do uh, we? 
He's the director of Attack the Block. Oh! Um, which is a pretty good movie. Uh, but yeah, those Oh shit, he did the guys... Kid Who Would Be King as well. Let's fucking go. I haven't seen that one. I, I also haven't seen it, but I saw the trailer for it and I was like, that looks like an incredibly fun movie. And stupid yeah. movie. Attack the Block is like a movie that like is... Uh, it has a very simple premise, uh, but it's like... 80 minutes long uh, and it like perfectly like delivers on it's like <laughs> simple yeah. but fun premise so you know it's that type of movie but yeah this was um, co-written by these three British guys um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's to you know to their credit it uh, they do a, they, they do a good job at not being too Moffatty or not being too Edgar Wrighty uh, yeah, they're sort of perfectly balanced. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if if all of Moffat's writing was this, right? Like he doesn't do any like any of his like weird shit that he that he does in the things that he writes solo. Yeah, like I could definitely like, feel like Moffat vibes in the sort of like snappiness of the writing. Yeah. And and sort of a bit in like the maybe a little like over convoluted, like weird mystery plot. It sort of mm-hmm. feels kind of muffety to me. Um, I don't know enough really about Edgar Wright's writing. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. Eh. I heard his newest movie that he that he wrote himself fucking sucks. So I don't know because no, like the, the all the Edgar Wright movies I like were also were co-written by him and Simon Pegg. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know wh- how uh, how his I heard his solo writing quality is like not. The best, but yeah, I think I think the writing in this movie is decent. Like, you know, compared to like the directing and the animation oh, quality. Oh, oh yeah, like... Last Light in Soho. Yeah, I watched that movie. Yeah, <laughs> very very bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It's a complete tangent, but Last Night of, Last Night in Soho is two different movies. The first half of the movie and the second half of the movie. First half of the movie, really good. Second half of the movie is a completely different movie and it's terrible. The first part of the movie, the different movie, really good. Um, so you should watch Last Night in Soho and then stop halfway through and you'll have a great time. <laughs> <Correct>. Anyway, um, <laughs> Adventures of Tintin, 2011 yeah, I just, movie. I was just going to say about the writing, like that it's probably the weakest part of the movie, but not in a distracting way. Like they get away with... Um, with some of the like with maybe not having outstanding writing by first on the strength of like everything else in the movie i mean actually and also like from being comic here right from being like a comic adaptation it's like not you can hand wave away some of the like yeah plot i actually think similar to last night in soho like the writing of the first half of the movie and the way the way they uh sort of platted uh, Crab and Golden Claws and Secret of the Unicorn together. I thought yeah. that was really good and the introduction yeah. of Haddock and stuff like that was really well written and then the second half of the movie kind of falls apart a little bit but by then you're so caught up in like Steven Spielberg's yeah. wild ride that you don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, there's so many insane set pieces at this point. That... Yeah, like it's, it's, you're like it's like the fourth slapdash not slapdash like rude 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 goldberg (laughs) um style like slapstick action sequence and you're just like just keep putting that into my veins mr spielberg um one more person i want to shout out is john williams for writing the music of it uh Mm -hmm. really good really good stuff yeah um you know 
yeah, it, it was just it was right. The music. Yeah. Um, and it once again like just just the same way Steven Spielberg directing it makes sense. Um, you know, John Williams' scores are like cut from the same adventure cloth as Tintin is. So. Yeah, it couldn't have been anyone else. Like, yeah. Um, do you want to get into the plot details or the the plot beats of the movie? Yeah, yeah. I have sort of, I have my sort of weird stream of consciousness notes that I took throughout this. So we'll see uh-huh. if we can remember what happened. Yeah, it <laughs> Apart starts from with an everything. Ar- well, actually, it starts with um, yeah. with a title sequence that. <gasps> Looks insanely good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly, the thing that struck me most about the title sequence, because uh, what it is is just like a bunch of Tintin references in silhouette while words come yeah. out. But the thing about the words is that they are in like the perfect, like they've nailed the Tintin font. Yeah. I don't I don't even know how or why, but I'm looking I'm looking at the letters and I'm like, that, that those are the letters from Tintin. I, I recognize yeah. them. I mean, a lot of this movie was like me pointing uh, <laughs> yeah. at stuff I recognize from Tintin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, after the after the really like pretty uh, title sequence, we g- the first the first person we see is Hergé. Like literally, again, I I stood up in my seat and was clapping as I was like, "That's my man, Hergé. He he's here." Um. So yeah, he's like the he's like a caricaturist in a town, I guess Paris, but fake Paris market, and like he's drawing Tintin, and like he turns it round, and he's like, Probably "Oh, I've drawn Brussels, a picture right? of you," and we see Tintin from the comics, Tintin, and that's just I really like that. That was how they introduced Tintin. Yeah, it's sweet. It's really sweet, uh, and like I remember that sort of gift set going around on fucking Tumblr or mm-hmm. some shit with people being like, "Oh my god, isn't this kind of fucked up?" Presumably, sort of ridicu- ridiculing the mocap, but. I don't know. It it's really good. It slaps. It's incredible. It's just good. I I think it's a it's a good way to introduce like the the way the movie looks, right? Like it's a little bit corny, but because it's because it's an RJ cameo, like or you know, not a real cameo, but like homage, I guess, to the person yeah. of RJ. Uh, it's just it's sweet enough that it like plays over the corniness and it. Because like basically what he says is like he's like ah, I have I I think I have captured your likeness quite well and then we see like an authentic like Tintin drawing and then as as Twin Tintin like walks away in the background we see like his caricatures of all the other Tintin characters uh, in yeah. like the yeah. style it's uh, which is like a decent way to just introduce the way that like this movie is looks a little bit different just you know just buy into it and you'll be yeah. fine yeah. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, the other thing I was going to say about the style of the movie, like, or, or the look of the movie, is that mm-hmm. the camera movements, this is, this, is, this is a weird detail, the camera movements don't look like they do in animated movies. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this. I know, like, the, there was something about the camera movements, and, like, I couldn't quite place yeah. it. Like, it felt very smooth. Um, yeah. Yeah, because cause Spielberg moves the moves the camera even even if it's animated, right? Like, the, yeah. The way, but but I guess I guess with mocap you like actually do have a camera, right? With which you like record. Yeah, because it's and like I noticed in the credits, yeah, like there was like a costume team. Like this movie had yeah. a seamstress, uh, presumably for like mocap bits and for like costume props that people had to hold and things like that, um, which then yeah. would get translated into mocap. I don't fucking know how it works, but like you know they had 
a lot of the crew that you would have on a live action movie. Um, But like at the same time, because it's animation, like you can also do away with a lot of the restrictions you have on camera movements. Like you could just put the camera anywhere because it's digital. Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be some bits later on, like the the there's there's like an insane like one take uh, set piece where the camera like goes out a window and follows a bird and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like here at the beginning, at a lot of the scenes where it's like people being more static, there's there's like some points where like where where the movie uses like hand camera stuff, yeah. which you'd never see in like a normal animated movie, right? Yeah, I'm actually. I am remembering um, like a lecture we had in uni from mm-hmm. uh, the director of the movie Brave. Um, okay. He also did a movie called John Carter from Mars. Uh, that may mean something to people. Doesn't really mean anything. But like he no. talked a lot about the differences between working in animation and live action. And mm-hmm. like for animation, he talked about how great it is to have like full control over what goes on into like the frame of the screen and how good that is but then he was like okay but actually I kind of prefer live action because live action like you set everything up and you sort of say go and then what happens is not necessarily what you expect and is sometimes better than what you expect and you get those like happy little accidents that really make something and surprise you and like that live action can surprise you in a way that animation cannot and it's like again this movie feels like it blends both of those things perfectly yeah um, yeah it yeah it just evokes like i mean i don't we can just we can just keep talking through the plot because there's a couple of like visual highlights i want to point out later on yeah yeah uh, i think it might be the same like if, i think you might know which ones i mean uh, i think so yeah <laughs> Um, so, like, the plot for the first bit is pretty much the same as Secret of the Unicorn. Yeah. He buys a ship in the market, two people come after him, the Ted Thompson twins are there, they're looking for a pickpocket. Um, but the sort of difference is that instead of buying the ship for Haddock, his boyfriend, who he loves, he's just mm. he just likes ships. Yeah. He just thinks it's neat. Yeah, which is not as strong as his comic book motivation. But, no. Uh, but, but I, I think I also, it's like, worth it. I think it's worth it. I think it makes it makes a lot more sense to do do it this way in the movie, because mm-hmm. uh, like they, you know they have two choices, right? They either they either do Crab with the Golden Claws like straight, which is no good because that book is gay, not great. <laughs> <laughs> they do they they do keep some of the gay stuff. Okay, there's a moment. I'm not. I'm not waiting until we get through the plot to get to this bit. There is a moment in which Tintin and Haddock are like lying in the lifeboat, and Haddock is very scared. So he rolls over and he grabs Snowy and cuddles Snowy for comfort. And I think that is a cowardly move because Tintin <laughs> is right there to be cuddled. Yeah, yeah. So like they can't adapt Crab with the Golden Claws because that that has like some really bad stuff in it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a bit just, shit. As a story, not. Not as good. Like, obviously, they want to do Secret of the Unicorns. So the other choice they would have had is uh, is to just make it so that he already knows Haddock, which they could have they could have done. But you know, this is this is for this is also for a general audience. Um, yeah, I think introducing because him already knowing the Thompsons uh, or like having to assume that they already know each other that's that works. But uh, I think I think him meeting. 
Haddock for the first time and like having that story in there just makes for a better story. Yeah, and it's like they they introduce Tintin himself by yeah. like panning around his office and seeing all the like newspaper yeah. headlines of like things Tintin has done. And like honestly, Tintin in this movie has a bit more personality than we are used to him having in the books. Yeah. Um, and because of that, because Tintin is sort of a, a, a sort of an excuse for there to be a Tintin book, he doesn't really take much introduction. Like all we need to know is that he is a reporter and that he likes to chase a story and like job done. Yes. Like we're set up to go. Um, so it's like Tintin doesn't really need any introduction, but like Haddock is a character who really needs set up and like needs to yeah. come into the story like this. And the Thompsons are just silly little guys. Yeah. The Thompsons, I think the Thompsons' first appearance is uh, where they're like looking through a newspaper, but they're like holding their newspapers up, but they have like little eye holes cut out. Yeah. Um, and we don't see their faces yet. The camera just like pans away. Uh, yeah, so that's true, like a actually. little, that's a little, that's a little treat to the, to the fans who are like, haha, I know what this is going to be. Yeah, it didn't actually. I didn't actually realize that like they they hadn't they didn't introduce the Thompsons until yeah. later. I just saw that and I was like, oh, there's the Thompsons, and like my brain like filled in the gaps of their like bowler hats and noses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thompsons are played by Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost, uh, who do a pretty good job at like at like pulling the Thompson thing off. I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. I feels like there was something off about it. The yeah. thing that was off about it to me could have just been the fact that this was a movie and not like a comic book I was reading. I think so. <laughs> I think so, because the Thompson thing is such a hard sell to like yeah. incorporate into live action. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I did I did actually notice there was a bit... I think it was near the end, and on one of them says, like, something, something, something. And the other person, and the other Thompson is like, ah, to be precise... And then pauses for like a slightly uncomfortably long amount of time before just straight up saying the exact same thing yeah. as the other Thompson did. And I was like, oh my God, my expectations were subverted. Yeah, that was pretty wow. funny. That was a good joke. Um, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's the pickpocket thing. Uh, and what's next? Tintin like reads up about the unicorn and then he finds out it has been stolen. So, yeah. Um, actually... My next note, sort of plot relevant note, is that like Tintin goes to the library to read stuff yes. about the unicorn. Um, and my next note is that like there's all this stuff about the Haddock family, mm-hmm. um, and like oh, only a true Haddock can discover the secret of the unicorn. And I was like, sorry, Haddock family. And I realized that it it it's ne- it has never occurred to me that Haddock is his second name. Yeah, <laughs> even though like. Thinking about it, like, yeah, Francis Haddock, that's, it's the family name. But I'm like, no, like, his name is Haddock. He doesn't have a first name. (laughs) I mean, it took, no, he does, but it it was only revealed in the last book. Wait, was it? Did you, did you gloss over that? Absolutely, because I wasn't like, I have not talked about it because the book was so bad. Yeah, I know. But there was a, there was a bit in uh, Titan and the Picaros where, uh, where they bring up that his first name is Archibald. I don't know the. I don't remember the context. Of yeah, that, fuck! But. I did not read that. I did not notice this. Okay, the, <laughs> I, the, I find that out through this movie then. Yeah, because <laughs> I had but no was, idea. But there was there was such a weird bit in the comic because they were like, uh, in in that same stroke, they also said that Tintin's first name is Tintin, so we still don't know like if he. Wait, so his name is Tintin? Name Tintin. 
either his name is Tintin Tintin or like in because in this movie there's like property of Tintin just one name like I think he's like he's like he's like Marina who <laughs> ditched the diamonds who's just like going by one name now or Prince <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, there is like a weird bit in the kind of the Hergé market introduction where like one of the vendors is like, oh, everyone knows that boy around these parts. That's Tintin. Which yeah. <laughs> is kind of clunky, but it works. Um, yeah, they have, to do, they have to do a bit of hand waving. Um, I don't know how this works on a general audience, to be I honest. I think it probably does. But I think like... I mean, all you need to know is, I think if you're aware that it's based on a comic, you'll be like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're, like, completely just, like, pulled out of out from the street, uh, you don't even know what what a movie is, and it's, like, put into a seat, and you're subjected to this, you know, you might be a little... It changes confused, your life, but... honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Guy who's only seen The Adventures of Tintin. Getting the tinted vibes from. I mean, like, listen. Because. Be saying that. Because all movies are based on the tinted comics. It makes sense, really. If you're only going to see one movie. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the, the next thing that happens in the plot is Tintin, like, breaks into Marlin Spike. This is the introduction of Marlin Spike, yes. Brackett's house. Um, <laughs> Nestor is here. Nestor is here. Nestor is kind of badass in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's played by someone I don't know. He he's played by Nestor. Um, that's yeah. all we need to know. Yeah, Nestor is just Nestor. He's played by like some Scottish TV actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, again, I've got written down that there's like direct panel references again. Um, yeah, he's like Tintin is like being because Tintin is like being accused of like breaking into Marilyn Spike, I think, uh, and it's like yeah. The ship that uh, Saccharin has, who's played by Daniel Craig. Uh, so he's probably going to be important for the movie. <laughs> yeah, so what the the original Secret of the Unicorn book like didn't so much have a villain in the way yeah. that Saccharin works in this movie. Um, like they sort of did a thing where they lined up Haddock with Francis Haddock and they lined Saccharin up with uh, Red Rackham. Yeah. Um, which I feel like in the original comic, like, you know, Saccharin, it was sort of the same guy. I think I recognized him, but like, he was just a yeah. rifle collector. He like, wasn't a villain. Yeah. He looked, uh, he, yeah. Where yeah, he was in, just, uh, just, uh, just a guy. Yeah. Whereas in this, I think he's a really good villain. Like he's very dramatic. Yeah. Um, he's sort of appropriately evil. He's got a sword kin. Like, yeah, this is the kind of change that. I mean, the whole, like, family history thing, uh, it, you know, for a movie, it works. And I think, I think this, I think this movie benefits of having a real villain, because, like, you know, we talked yeah. about how the Tintin villains are usually not that great. Um, yeah. And it works fine in, a com- in, in, in the comics, but I think, I think for a movie like this, you do need a villain. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, Tintin is more a bit like more of a hero yeah. in this movie. Like he's a sort of he's got action hero vibes. He does some very epic shit. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> he does some insane stuff. 
Yeah, and and he, he has like yeah. It's I'm not saying his like Tintin in this movie is like a very deep character, but he has like basic, you know, just like a, a basic level of depth where you're like you can go with it, right? Yeah, like I I honestly buy Tintin's sort of emotional connections far more in this movie yeah. than I do in the comics. Yeah, and um, he has like later in the movie he has like a. Uh, character moment where he's like you know the bit where he's like about to give up yeah uh, that wouldn't would never happen in the comics uh but i think this is once again like the kind of change that like is kind of necessary for a movie hero yeah yeah <laughs> to have that so have that sort of like intern I- internality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean it's I th- sort of part of it is just that like he is sort of live action and like yeah. has facial expressions yeah um and you know sort of like in the, the stuff where he is he's being manipulative tintin and like manipulating haddock into having his demon slayer style ancestral memory flashback and like you can see from his face that like he is really eager to unveil a mystery and he's very like i know he's into it yeah <laughs> um so anyway, we meet Nestor, uh, then Tintin goes back to his house, and then we have, like, the exact scene from the comic where they turn up with the box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, and the delivery so that is for... in Secret of the Unicorn, was this Alan? I'm this, not this sure. This was not Alan. Uh, no. Alan has turned up so much that I could believe it was yeah. Alan, but I don't think it was Alan. I think, I think, I think, because the, the, the reason why Alan is here... Is that Ellen was in uh, was the villain in uh, Crab with the Golden Claws? Yeah, yeah. So they have they have Ellen here so that they can make the connection to that to, to that yeah. story, like so. And, and so you and I can point at the screen and go, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's here I was he so is. excited to see Ellen here because I didn't <laughs> remember him being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, another. So they do the sequence. Tintin gets fucking kidnapped and shit. Um, Remember the guy in Secret of the Unicorn who got shot in the shootout, but like he didn't actually die, but we thought he died. Yeah, <laughs> he he dies in this, right? Like he's dead <laughs> for real. Not. He does. Yes, he's dead for real. Get shot and die, and is dead forever. This um, movie. This is this is the other thing that fucks me up about the, this movie, but in a good way. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Spielberg doesn't try to make a kids movie out of this? No, like it is. The, like th- violent. There's guns. They're, like Tintin just. Tintin has, has his iconic ki- gun from the comic. Like he's, he's carrying. I fucking wish this movie had more of a cultural impact than it had. Like this movie yeah. deserves to have become like so much bigger than it than it got. This movie is fucking slapped on. The, the all the like all the gun stuff and the alcohol stuff is like the type of thing that you. I didn't think that's something you can get away with an animated movie made in 2011. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. something you expect from, like, the, like an older kids movie where you're like, oh, there's surprise, a surprising amount of dark stuff in this kids movie. Yeah. But, like, yeah, no, this is... I Like, I'm wondering if part of the reason that it slept on is because of, like, the... At least, sort of, in 2011, definitely, I would say, like, Western, like... Oh, adult animation, kids animation, yeah. sort of like block because like this is an Indiana Jones. Yeah. But I'm wondering if because it was animated, like people were like, "Oh, that's a kids movie. I'm not going to go see it." Like, yeah, probably. And and at the same time, if you're like 
seeing it as a kids movie it's you know it's gonna it's gonna fuck you up like yeah <laughs> like if you if you're going in this expecting the sort of happy feet experience this ain't yeah. it like no could <laughs> my dad would lose his shit over this movie like my dad loves indiana jones and this whole he loves saving private Ryan. he loves this shit my dad would pop hard for this movie yeah. and like i don't think he knows it exists i really don't yeah like if you if you have enjoyed like any spielberg movie i think this is like yeah this is yeah. like as good as it gets um we have, I think this is where, where Tintin gets kidnapped, is where you have, like, a snowy sequence, where, like... Uh, oh, with the cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, snowy is stunting. <laughs> snowy does so much shit in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, at, I actually... At first, I, I will say, at first, mm. snowy is, like... The way snowy looks, like, took me I out a little bit. I was just about to say that. Yeah. It's... <laughs> And I guess it's because you can't mocap a dog. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't mocap the dog. No, the dog is like. There's a bit on the. This is this is a, one of the one of the trivia facts about this. Uh, about the casting of this movie is that um, it says that when Circus was cast, uh, Circus uh, said uh, like Circus said he was concerned that they wanted him to play Snowy. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did anyone play Snowy, or did they just animate no, him? No, Snowy is just traditionally animated. Okay, okay. I go again. I was concerned, but that I am slightly convinced that like half the entire reason that this movie is animated is so that Snowy can like actually act and be yeah. a character. Yeah. Every time there's like a every time there's a dog that does stuff in in, in a live action movies, it sucks so bad. Yeah, like again, no offense to Brooks, um, but miss me with that air budget. <laughs> <laughs> no, if air but mocap Tintin style air <laughs> Steven Spielberg's uh, air yeah. <laughs> Let's fucking go. God. Um, but yeah, like again with the sort of weird live action and animation blend, like the movie completely bypasses the live action dog problem. Yeah. Yeah, it it is a little bit visually noticeable that everyone else looks like has like this, you know, mocap feel. They move like a real uh, person, and uh, Snowy doesn't. It sticks mm-hmm. out. It's something. It's one of those things that like that I notice for the first five minutes and then completely yeah. forget. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, it comes to the part like I think because one of the first um, Rube Goldberg slapstick scenes was Snowy chasing a cat. Yeah. Like uh, in the incident where the mast of the unicorn model gets broken off. And it's like, I saw that and I was like, oh, right, Snowy. Like, it's completely sold to me. Like, this Snowy shit. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, hey, this um, this sequence has. <laughs> snowy utter bit. It really got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listeners, he just runs under some cars. You can imagine what happens. Yeah. It's very good. It's fucking wild. It's, and I think this is kind of where the movie starts to go off on one. Yeah. Yeah, this um, is where it starts to, like, really come into its own. Like, like it's in the comics, the... in the comics, mm-hmm. like, there's there's a lot of stuff in the comics, right? Where Snowy almost dies. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But this is the first time you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Snow <laughs> might actually be fucking, like, hit by a car. Like, Yeah. So yeah, Snowy uh, gets onto the Carapuzian. Um we we see some more like saccharin villain stuff. Um and then sort of this is the part of my notes where they get a little unhinged and scribbly mm. and the, the the writing gets a lot larger uh-huh. and messier because Haddock is coming, <laughs> yeah. baby. Yeah, the the way they tease Haddock is so good because there's like mm. there's like some mentions like Ellen talks about the captain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and you're like, ooh. I know who that is, and then it takes like five more minutes until uh, until he actually uh, is seen. And because like they set up this whole thing when Tintin was like researching the Haddock family, and like he went to Marlin's bike, and there was a picture of a Haddock above the door because it's the Haddock family home, and there was all these being all these like mentions of like the Haddock family cursed, and they're cursed with like alcoholism basically, and then you know you have Alan being like, oh, the captain, he's a big alcoholic, and. Like we, I honestly, this movie probably would have been more satisfying to me if I didn't know anything about Tintin. I'm wondering. I don't know. Like I don't know. I would have liked to experience that reveal. Of oh yeah, Tintin meeting the captain, and I'm popping off because I I see <laughs> my guy. I love my guy. I'm losing my mind because he's Scottish, and I didn't expect that. But like, there's the moment when the sort of Haddock Tintin introduction sequence finish finishes. Um. Tintin introduces himself to Haddock. It's like, hi, I'm Tintin. Haddock is like, hi, I'm Haddock. And then Tintin, like his face, he's just like standing there completely still for like 30 seconds. Like, yeah. oh, 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 I find him. Oh. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> this makes like, honestly, I hate to say it, but the, the Haddock introduction is like so, so much improved from the comic. Maybe it, just because it's like in a better story than than Haddock's first story was, but like mm, yeah, with giving like Tintin reason to meet Haddock, uh, and then at the same time him being like so unhinged at first, yeah, uh, is I don't know, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, like he's not just a random guy to get in Tintin's way. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I mean, first of all, like you know, before. Tintin becomes endeared to him and like, you know, and before they fall in love like, uh-huh. you know he is like a resource to Tintin like he is a story that Tintin is trying to uncover yeah. instead of just in the way yeah <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so they, they do like a whole like set piece of like escaping from here uh, I don't remember the details of this. Is this uh, the like the dorm room sequence? Yeah this is this is where they try to right because because uh, the way I, I the way it plays out is that Ellen and like the other seaman uh, the other apparently the other the other thug is played by Mackenzie Crook um, appropriate name I guess yeah oh do you not know this actor he's like I have no idea who this is he's He's in Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, cool. He's like playing a really fucked up looking guy in those. 
And he's like, please look at this guy. He was in the original in, in the British office. Uh, Hang on. Um, oh, the guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I know the yeah. guy. The, he was the guy with the eye in Pirates of Caribbean. Uh, yes, exactly. I have seen he's him like in a, a lot of things. And I've been exactly, like, oh, the like guy. Exactly, because kind of he's kind of a fucked up looking guy. So it's like, he's always very noticeable. Like, they always cast him when they want a freak. Yeah, his um, picture appears in the dictionary beside the word scrawny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, like that guy and Ellen are like trying to blow up like this this door with TNT, uh, which is at which I was pogging because it's like the shit that you don't see in movies these days anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this the, the some of the best movies, uh, uh, not the best movies. Some of the best like moments of this movie are like when it really leans into that like old school uh adventure comic ridiculousness yeah it's 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 the chloroform headbunk genre yeah. of adventure like yeah, 1000% so there's a lot of headbunks in this uh i think there was only one chloroforming but it was there so i was happy Oh no, sorry. I was I was gonna be like no, there was that, but then I realized I was thinking of the bit where Haddock breathes on Tintin and he gets a bit <laughs> drunk from Haddock's breath. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about the plane sequence. Holy fuck! God, we gotta we gotta get to that. But we gotta get. Uh, to that. Yeah, they escaped the boat, uh, but somehow. Uh, no, no. Actually, I wanted to talk about the dorm room sequence because. Yes. There's a sequence like they need the key to a room in order to escape the boat. I can't even remember why, but the key is in the hand of the keys guy who is sleeping in a dorm with a bunch of other guys. And this oh my the, god! Yes, I remember now. Extended again, like Rube Goldberg's Gerbs. That's really hard to say. RBGS <laughs> sequence. Um, of Tintin going into the dorm and he can't wake anyone up and he's got to climb over all these things and like the sequence like introduces like more and more and more factors slowly like it's oh there's so a guy insane. with a rat in his hand there's a guy yeah. with a razor in his hand there's a shark hanging from the ceiling and it's sort of like setting up all these things in a line before Steven Spielberg levels like a high velocity precision sniper rifle and takes a single shot through all of them bringing it all together <laughs> And it's so ridiculous and it's it's so Hergé in a way. It's that, like, so Hergé and the thing that's notable notable about it is it is like the first sequ- the first scene that has no reference to the comics. Yeah. It's completely original. It's a, it's an Hergé S sequence that isn't even like Hergé didn't even come up with. Yeah. And that's kind of when I realized, oh, the reason Steven Spielberg is like that is because of Tintin in the first place. Yes. And like it sort of all clicked together at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 scene was like insane and it just keeps piling up from that. Um Yeah. The, like So, so yeah, this they... is where where I lost my mind mm-hmm. uh was like the bit after that where they managed to escape on a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. But Haddock takes all the whiskey with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I lost my mind when I realized they're gonna do the Crab with the Golden Claws sequence where Haddock lights the lifeboat on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's just, there's just a bunch of sequences in this, 
in this in this following bit like in the in the middle of the movie i guess in the second act where mm-hmm. i was just like i can't believe they actually did this one yeah yeah and like not only did they do it they like punch it up yeah um even um yeah this is the bit where um Haddock doesn't cuddle Tintin and his dad cuddles Snowy. I'm very sad. <laughs> um, this is also a part of the... Um, this is also the part of the movie where they introduce the, the MacGuffin of the Milanese Nightingale. Um, yes. Which is Saccharin's, like, secret weapon. And, you know, me and Janosch are pointing and hollering because we know who the <laughs> Milanese Nightingale is and what that means. But, like in the way of the script, it like sounds like it's the code name for like a secret big rocket or something. Yeah. Um, so I'm like losing my mind. Yeah, this is the good shit where it's like uh fans will exactly get it. Uh mm-hmm. the, what it's going to be, but like in a good way. And if you like don't know what it is, it's like a pretty cool reveal. It is a re- I mean like even for me the, Yeah. Like for a second, I was like, "Oh, like is the have they just like named it the Milanese Nightingale as a reference to Bianca Castafiore?" No, no, it's it's Bianca Castafiore. It's I don't know when we talked about on on who watches the watch when we talked about the Discord adaptations. They're like the especially the Sky TV ones. They do this shit where it's like, "Who is this for?" Like in a way where they're like making nods that only book readers will understand. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to be completely confused if you don't know what, what a Terry Pratchett is. Yeah. Uh, and this movie, for the most part, like, does a really good balance of, uh, of making, it, making that work, right? Yeah. Again, it's like operating on two levels and like doing them both really well. Yeah. Perfectly balanced. <laughs> um, I don't know the exact sequence of events. That happens in the next bit, but I want to talk about. So they do the they do the thi- they do the thing where like, yeah, I think I think that was the the. I don't remember how they get the plane. I do remember that Tintin does one shot the airplane like in the comics. Yeah, but like they they set that up with like some dialogue which I don't think they do in the comics where no. like there's a plane attacking them, firing bullets at them, and like. Um, Tintin says some line of like, oh no, like, we've only got one bullet. And Haddock is like, oh no, what are we going to do? And Tintin is like, don't worry, we've got one bullet. And it's like really so epic. Good. And that then. That was like, it is a Moffat ass line, but it really is a Moffat ass line. It's, it just, this just really shows like, and look, I remember Moffat having written some, some like actually good Doctor Who episodes like before he was the showrunner. Yeah, no, so, I used to pop off at Moffat yeah. like back in the day. Like this, this did remind me, like, you know, Moffat, when other people are, like, you know, when he's being reined in by other people with better sensibilities, you know, yeah. he's a good writer. When Moffat's like, good, he's good. You just can't give him free reign. Yeah. Like, like just don't I'll put hand him it to in him charge. for here. I will hand it to him. Yeah. This, this I will. Because, um, yeah. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was absolutely like a pog moment when, uh, when Tintin did that. Like, it's, it's just like, again, like, if you're me and Janosch and you've sort of just read the comics and you remember that moment very distinctly because yeah. you, you lost your minds when <laughs> Tintin took down a plane with a single bullet and th- it was very epic, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But so, so um, this oh my god, of... I wanted to talk about another bit, like I, I think <laughs> it was like right before here, where like because we have the whole bit of uh, 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 them being on the lifeboat, uh, Heather getting drunk on whiskey. Yeah, and it sort uh, of like cuts back and forth. Yeah. To to back in a uh, back in town. Yeah. Uh, do Do we want to talk about the back in town stuff? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about some back in town stuff. No, no, no. I, I was going to talk about the bit that happens on the boat. Oh, okay, no, do both. Do both first. Both okay, first. okay. We're, we're going to do both first. So, uh, Heather gets drunk, lights the boat on fire, uh, then Tintin wakes up, uh, they're extinguishing it, and they're, like, lying on the boat, and then there's, like, this <laughs> really funny bit where... And I think this is also from the comics, uh, but it's... It's the type of thing where I was like, oh, I can't believe they actually did this on, uh, in a, in a movie that was like, you know, you, that you could, mm-hmm. could confuse for a kid's movie. Yeah. Uh, Cause they do the bit where like, Haddock does his, like the, the other side of his manic episode, right? Like that mm-hmm. he, the, the thing that happened a lot in Crab with Golden Claws where he's like. You know, he sets the boat on fire and then afterwards is like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. I, I most wretched creature. I'm horrible, yeah. <laughs> then there's like this extended bit where he's like, I'm going to end it now. I'm going to just jump into the ocean. A sl- <laughs> goodbye, farewell, Tintin and Snowy. I think he says, I'm going to lower myself slowly into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and just really funny. It's so funny because... Not just the way he's being overdramatic, but like Tintin just completely doesn't pay attention because the airplane is already like coming. Yeah, Tintin's got other stuff to deal with. (laughs) So it's just like Haddock whining about, "I'm, it's time to end it now. I am the most wretched of creatures on this earth," and just Tintin completely ignoring him. It's incredibly funny. In a in a way that is way too dark for a kid. It's so dark. It's so morbid, but it's really funny. Yeah. Anyway, we have some Thompson stuff. Yeah, there's like, I think it's, yeah, like we cut back to the Thompsons and like the pickpocket plot. Um, and there's, again, there's the sequence from the end of Secret of the Unicorn where the Thompsons oh, finally resolve the pickpocket plot and they find them and they find all the wallets and that's how they get all the pieces of paper. But like, th- they've written this scene, our friends Moffat, Wright and... Other guy, Joe Cornish, Muffet Wright and Cornish have written this scene where, like, it's, it's just, it's. I don't even know if I'd call it well written, but it's unhingedly written. Yeah, where like the Thompsons find the pickpocket, they like grab him, and you, he, the pickpocket, thinks he's going to be arrested. The Thompsons are like, "Oh, we find the pickpocket's jacket. We've got the pickpocket," and then they're like they hand him back his jacket and they're like, we wanted to find you because the pickpocket stole your wallet. And, you know, they sort of, through a series of convoluted dialogue choices, end up in the pickpocket's house where he has, you know, like the end of Secret of the Unicorn, he has these hundreds and hundreds of wallets that he has stolen. And the Thompsons, just absolutely nothing that the pickpocket says will convince the Thompsons that he is the guy that done it. Like, they are obtuse beyond obtuse. Yeah. This is a Spongebob ass scene. Like it is so it is so far beyond the realms of like Yeah possibility like your belief isn't even suspended, it's sort of like abducted and held over a cliff. Yeah. Fucking 
it's wild and it's <laughs> it's good. It's pretty funny. It's, it's like <laughs> I think there's a bit where it's like uh uh where where Archibald is like or not Archibald, what's his name? The pickpocket guy? The pickpocket, yeah. Aristide Silk is his name apparently. He has a name? Yeah. So he's like, I'm a kleptomaniac, that's why I have all of these. And then they're like, ah, kleptomania, a fear of open spaces. Ah, that must be why he has all these wallets around the place. Like, what? (laughs) It's very stupid, but... uh, It's so stupid. But it's it's pretty funny. Uh, It is pretty funny. I think, yeah, I think like the the Thompson shtick is just like so hard to do in in a movie that otherwise like does more uh, or is like leaning closer to like live action realism yeah but like in the way that this movie does these unhinged action sequences like this sequence feels like the sort of the writing equivalent of one of those unhinged action action sequences yeah if you know what i mean like no you're completely right it's like everything is happening so much it's so off the charts but like this time it's like just dialogue and stuff um, yeah, like this movie is. This movie just never settles down, or there's never a bit where it's like, uh, Spielberg is just kind of winging it here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like he keeps turning the dial up, yeah. and like it never reaches maximum. Like, he, it's like one of those fucking tones that goes up forever and fucks with your mind. Yeah. Whatever those are called. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the movie equivalent of that. Yeah. Uh, um. Oh, um. I wanted to talk about how Tintin does an Amuro Ray here, uh, where he uh-huh. learns to fly a plane just from reading the manual <laughs> and is then able to like do it perfectly and be an ace Fantastic. pilot. Tintin does Gundam. Tintin new type confirmed. Yeah. Oh my god, that's like the oldest bit we have on this podcast. So. Did we have a bit where Tintin was a new type? Yeah, I think you said it in the first episode. Damn, I forgot about that completely, fuck. I think because in that one he also flies a plane. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, zip it, zip it! Ah! Oh. <laughs> it was pretty, yeah. It's like, but like, he shoots down the plane and then takes it to fly it, so it's like, this is so insane. This whole yeah. fucking sequence is... I was losing my mind. Like, this... Jesus Christ, yeah. This felt like, you know, when people were losing their shit about, like, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In that it, like, just, like, has these, uh, this action sequence just, like, ramp up. And then, then they, like, drive into this wall of storm in Mad Max Fury Road. And it's, Oh, my like, God, yeah, they shit. did do that. And they did the same thing here. And this movie came out four years earlier. Like... Fucking... Tintin, the adventures of Tintin ran at top speed so that Mad Max Fury Road could then run even, even faster. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one's hon- walking. Honestly, like, the, literally, the, the Mad Max Fury Road is, like, the only movie that I can compare this movie to in, like... Yeah. In terms of, like, how how much it's spinning on all, on all wheels. So they have, like... Tintin has shot down this plane... With mm-hmm. one bullet, then hijacked it. They're flying in it, and and then we have like this is this is once again I was losing my mind that they kept this bit from the comic. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Hedda gets drunk on the plane, but he like opens up the bottle. Mm-hmm. The whiskey gets out in like in like one bubble. Yep. Snowy drinks it up. <laughs> yep. Like, uh, and I, I want we want to emphasize when the whiskey gets out in one bubble because the plane is in freefall. Yeah. <laughs> so they are now experiencing zero gravity. This is the fucking zero gravity whiskey bubble bit yeah. from Explorers on the Moon that they managed to put into this movie in a way that works coherently and is incredibly effective. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gesturing vaguely at this point. God. So then, but but they're they're like at this point they're like already flying into this like storm cloud. Like this is, you know, the stakes are all so high. And then Haddock gets drunk from the zero G whiskey mm-hmm. and climbs out of the plane. So. Yeah, because... Like, Which I think uh, is also an Explorers on the Moon bit, right? Like, he does he does leave well, the spaceship at one point. Yeah, it's it's very different to the Explorers on the Moon bit, because, like, the, so the, the plot beats that happen here are, you know, there's four people on the plane, heavy weight stuff, flying, flying, flying. The plane runs out of fuel. Tintin is concentrating on flying the plane, hasn't noticed that Haddock... Has has drank all of the whiskey and Tintin is like, oh, we we're out of fuel, but oh, I think that that bottle of alcohol that is there would serve as fuel. So Haddock, you need to go outside onto the plane and pour that bottle of alcohol into the plane's fuel tank. However, we've then just seen that Haddock has drank <laughs> the bottle of fuel. What's gonna happen? How's he gonna pull this one off? Because Haddock does not mention to Tintin. Tintin that he's drank the bottle of alcohol. Yeah. He just he goes out onto the plane after again some more unhinged action stuff. And like at no point when he is climbing out onto the plane to pour the bottle of alcohol into the plane, does he mention to Tintin that the bottle is now inside him? Yeah. Fucking Again, this whole sequence I have my hands over my entire face because it's so much. <laughs> um like I fucking Janusz, what does he do here? I can't say it. I can't. So, I'm not ready. So Hedda climb is climbing out of the plane, and then he like climbs on top of the fuel tank, and then he breathes into it, and that does the trick. Yep. And the plane does. It's nitrous oxide stuff from the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, like big jet, big fire. Um and I don't know if it's Noi or if it's litter, but Haddock does get struck by lightning and turns into a skeleton at one point. Yep. Like comedy s- comics style. Yeah, he also like when the when the plane cuz the plane starts cr- crash landing uh and god, the plane Crash lands in the desert. It's like falls apart, uh, and then like Tintin starts like getting pulled towards the propeller. Yeah, Tintin is unconscious at this point. Like he's been like thrown through the window or something. Yeah, onto the bonnet of the plane, whatever that's called. 
the hood of the plane. Um, it shaves his hair a little bit. Yeah, this is the Tintin decapitation sequence. I was um, not ready for that. I yeah, I was really just like I can. It keeps going up. Like I knew it's I knew he's not gonna get decapitated, right? But like the the amount of like palpable danger that our heroes get put into here is so wild. Like you can really yeah. feel it. Yeah. I, like you, you bring you go to see this movie and you buy a seat, but you're only gonna need the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking like yeah. it takes you there. Um, yep. And yeah, I don't know how how Tintin gets. I don't know. They they somehow stop him from being caught in the in the propeller. His head. Yeah, it, it's like you know Steven Spielberg type the sequence just keeps going and going yeah. like you know Haddock is climbing over the plane to like reach Tintin and then you know first of all Haddock is trying to get onto the bonnet of the plane without his fucking like legs getting chopped off by the propeller which is about to chop off Tintin's head mm-hmm. when he's sort of managing it and it's like oh is he gonna get chopped in, in half or not and then it's like oh he overshoots the propeller so he's safe but oh then the plane lodges forward and the propeller goes back underneath him and it's like oh my god fucking everything happens so much holy fuck <laughs> Stephen. Yep. Um. Then this should be taught in every cinema class. <laughs> Unironically, yeah. Like, I mean, no, no, yeah, no. It's no, just no, no one is gonna do it as well. <laughs> yeah, the, like genuinely, it's like a perfect example of like, uh, you have you heard of stakes? Yeah. Um. What if they got higher and then they kept getting higher and more yeah. unhinged? Yeah, it's not like it's not like Steve invented this. Mm-hmm. But he no, just executes it. it so perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, flawless execution. So good. And yeah. then I was losing my mind because it had, like, the comic shot of Tintin and Tadok walking hand in hand in the desert. Oh, fuck, did it? I think I, I, think I had, yeah. like, tabbed over to Pog in the chat at that point because I didn't notice it. Or it could have just... Listen, this... <laughs> okay, Side note, for me, this movie was incredibly laggy and like the audio was janky and Uh fucked up and incredibly behind and it was sort of jittering all the way through and I still had like a 10 out of 10 experience. (laughs) So shout out to that. Um, But okay, yeah, I'm very glad it had the handholding sequence. So they're walking in the desert. Uh, We have Snowy finds the big bone, which is good. Yeah, big bone cameo. Uh... And Haddock starts hallucinating. Mm. I actually thought whenever this started happening, I thought that the the sequence where Haddock like tries to drink Tintin was going to happen. Yeah, and that they were going to do some just like fucked up dream shit. And yeah. I like I was ready to pog for that, and, ex- and instead I was pogging for something completely different. <laughs> yeah, because what they do is mm-hmm. that. In a completely unexpected, at a completely unexpected moment, they do the Secret of the Unicorn flashback. Yeah. But it's like, not... Yeah. It's not in Haddock's house. It's in the middle of the desert, uh, hallucinating. Yeah, it's in the middle of the desert, and I was concerned because I was like, but there's no chairs and tables for Haddock to smash. How mm-hmm. is this gonna work? You are eating but your cereal. There's I'm this. eating my cereal. <laughs> I and but the thing is, it it sort of doesn't 
really work at this point because yeah. it's sort of an incomplete version of the flashback. Like, yeah, we just get the lead up to it. Yeah, uh, they, they sort of, they do, you know, I'm expecting the like unhinged nature of that one Hergé comics panel sequence that yeah. we, you know, we already talked about and popped off big time about. But instead they do like a sort of different unhinged Steven Spielberg sequence. Um, is this is this the part where there's like the ship's action sequence and they're like tied together at the masts and swinging about all over the place and it's un- it's insane? That's yes. now? The ships are yeah. on fire. It looks so beautiful. It, it is genuinely... Yeah. Breathtaking visuals at this at this sequence. Like it's just like these ships at night on fire. And like I, I, I think the sequence again might be worth a rewatch, A, eh, when it's less jittery and now uh-huh. that I've seen the rest of the movie, because I think like a lot of what happens in this sequence, like this is the cause cause what happens kind of the sort of the setup up until this point is that there's been like a tale passed down in the Haddock family for generations, uh, but Haddock, like, has been too like alcoholic, um, too much of an alcoholic to remember what it is. Yeah. Um, but at this point, like, I know in the desert he reaches the level of like delirium. Brackets tremens question mark close brackets. Uh, that he is able to remember this thing and like starts telling the tale of how his ancestor, Sir Francis Haddock, met someone who was his like nemesis, and like there's mm. a whole fight sequence. And basically, the reason I would like to go back to this and rewatch it is because I think a lot of the like choreography of this fight sequence and things that happen are then repeated later on in the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we sort of get half of the introduction of Red Rackham, who like isn't named at this point, but like we we listen, I know who it was. We know, we know it's Red Rackham, yeah, we've yeah, read yeah. the book. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's really, it's it's really cool because because uh, like aside from the fact that this is like that 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 the visuals are amazing, it has like it strikes like this really good balance of like having the chaos in there with, like, all the crew members, like, being tangled up in this fight. But -hmm. at the same time, just having these, like, simple Stark visuals, like, just the fire and just the, the, you know, the big ships and stuff. Yeah. It it strikes a really good balance in that. And then it leads up to this moment of, like, someone walking uh, towards Francis Haddock. Yeah. It's... It's just so epic. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's it's, so, it's freaking epic, dude. Um, it's just so like the, the the way they build up Red Rackham just makes him so menacing, like so much more menacing than he is in the comic. Like in the comic, yeah, Red like, Rackham isn't really. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's just some guy. In this one, they like built him up like his freaking black beard. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's sort of. It occurs to me that like the reason that Spielberg's action sequences are so much in this movie, like the action sequences are so ah, uh, everything is happening so much. Like the only reason it's everything happens so much is because it doesn't happen so much as to be overwhelming. Yeah. Like the clarity of things makes you able to process it. Yeah. If it's you know very... what I mean. It's very, uh, 
controlled, precise. Yeah. I don't know the right word for it. It's I also like, don't know. He's Spielberg is just really good in like directing your attention. Yeah. At like you know, or or like guiding, guiding you like where to look. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, there's definitely been other movies that I've watched that it's just like a lot is happening and I just sort yeah. of fuzz out of existence because I, I just can't keep track of it. Um, actually, no, a classic example of that would be the video game uh, Super Smash Brothers most recently <laughs> in which on screen everything ah, is happening the beautiful so much. Game. The beautiful game. And I'm just like, I can't follow this. Yeah. Like, th- there's just lines and colors everywhere. I don't know what's happening. But this, I'm like, nah, nah. Like, this has got me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, you could also compare it to, like, the Marvel bullshit mm. that is happening. Like, mm, you know, yeah. they all have, like, these big set pieces. Like, every, like, blockbuster of the last, like, 10, 15 years, like, needed to have these, like, big city-destroying set pieces. And you're just, like, sitting there bored. Yeah, Cause, cause whereas, there's like... there's no, like, single things to focus on, or there's no, like, individual mm. stakes. And mm. that's what this movie does, like, so well. Like, there's, uh... Because... Oh, go on. This movie has, like, two or... Like, it feels like it has, like, two or three big city-destroying set pieces, yeah. but, like, they're good and they yeah. work. Yeah, because there's always, like... We'll get to it. We'll get to the big one. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, this sequence, like, it ends when... Basically, it ends because the last drop of alcohol leaves Haddock's body and yeah. he has finally become sober. There's a really good line of... Tintin be sort of like cradling his uh, body as it f- f- fails, being like, ah, well, all it took was one day in the Sahara Desert. Haddock, you're finally sober. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sort of pass out and like get rescued by the, like, whatever colonizers are in yeah. charge of this area. French soldiers, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, the French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the French. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a, they don't have the, the haddock water bit in this uh, comic the way they do in, no. in this movie, the way they do in the comics even. Uh, but they do have like a different, like funny water bit. Yeah. Um, because yeah, what, what happens is like that they're in the like French soldiers camp. Uh, Tintin goes to like see haddock and sort of see how he's doing on and haddock is... <laughs> Haddock is fucking like sitting there in bed holding a glass of clear liquid. His pinky finger is extended in a very refined sort of manner, and he's talking a bit strangely compared to what we have become used to hearing him say. Um, and he completely doesn't recognize Tintin. Yeah. Um, I think there's like there's like a line where he's like, "What is this strange drink? Like the 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 palate on it is very strange." And like mm. talking like a in like wine taster lingo about whatever he's drinking, and then the sort of I don't know doctor or whoever is just like yes sir that's water, <laughs> and he's like oh, I've never heard of this what is this <laughs> stupid it's, it's so stupid and it's so Tintin it's pretty funny yeah it's like as as you said like earlier like this this movie takes great advantage of like Erge not knowing what alcohol is yeah yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so it ends up like... Is it Tintin or Snowy who does it? Snowy. Snowy, like... 
changes or like dips like alcohol into like Haddock's water or something. Yeah. Snowy picks up a bottle of like medicinal like yeah. alcohol, like fucking meths. Um and like places it on Haddock's bedside tray and then at the crucial moment spins the tray around so that Haddock grabs the bottle of medicinal alcohol instead of water and downs it. At which case at which point the movie goes sicko mode again. <laughs> yep. As soon as Haddock drinks the alcohol, he becomes normal again and he's got <laughs> he remembers the rest of his flashback. Yeah, there's and also from this, this like... point on, like mm-hmm. God. So when we talked about that sequence in Secret of the Unicorn, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so comics. Like the way it like effortlessly blends from reality to like the narration. Yeah, like they have a cool whole bit where all the sand in the desert like turns yeah. into water and it's like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Great, 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 great. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. And and this movie does that thing, like translates that comic thing of into into cinema through like insanely creative scene transitions or like No you know <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I seem to recall a moment whenever when we were covering Secret of the yeah. Unicorn and you were eating a big bowl of cereal and you were like, "This is the this would only work in like the comics medium and the and the way that that works and I oh, this would never work in cinema or animation." I co- I I I am, um, yeah, I completely underestimated Steven's. Where is your cereal here. now, Anna? <laughs> it's it's spilled all over my laptop. It's. Uh, yeah. Really annoying to clean off. <laughs> yeah, it's like they give us this. They teased us with that yeah. uh, Haddock telling the story of his ancestor sequence earlier in the desert, and like didn't do those scene transitions. Um, and then they they went that they sort of they left us hanging, and now they are bringing it back, and they are completely landing it perfectly. It's so- he does like Spielberg does some unhinged stuff here. Like the one I the one that really struck out to me is they have a thing where uh where Haddock and Red Rackham are having a sword fight. Mm-hmm. And in the reflection of the sword, you see present day Haddock and then it transitions <gasps> what? back into I didn't the notice that thing. Yeah. Oh my god. But it, it it has like this movie has like a dozen of like this type of like insane scene transitions. Oh my god! I need to buy this on fucking Blu-ray. I don't even have a Blu-ray player. I need to buy this on Blu-ray. I mean, it's it's definitely look. It's definitely a movie I am going to revisit for sure. Yeah. Like, if you just want to like put on a fun movie, you know, with some friends, this is a this is a surefire hit. Yeah. 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 Um. I also again like with the sort of very specific and direct panel references they have that direct like dialogue that that i enjoyed so much in the original comic where haddock is like and then sir francis haddock points us forward lee lands on a bottle of rum and then tinted takes his hand and is like and he sets down the bottle yeah. of rum like they do they do that verbatim which i, I was really happy they did yeah that. i was just really tickled I was me. glad they did that that's good um it was also in this part of the movie when I, like, I have written down in my notes, Rackham, dot, 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 saccharine. I was like, oh, the letters are the same. Are they going to make this connection? 
because I think up until this point in the flashback uh, dimension, uh, Red Rackham has been wearing like a bandana over yeah. his face and like has been masked. And then at some point he is unmasked and I'm like, oh my God, it's the it's Daniel Craig brackets <laughs> as saccharine. Um, but yeah, they they end up in Bagar. How do they end up in Bagar? How do they end up in Bagar? Uh, it's... Uh, is that what it No, I, I don't. I actually don't remember. Yeah, it says, uh, "Desert camp is Haddock while drunk remembers that Haddock's ship was ambushed by Haddock's ship was ambushed by Red Rackham, who is later revealed to be Sakharin's ancestor." Uh, he chose to sit. Yeah, so Francis surrendered on the condition that his crew to be be allowed to live. But since the pirates killed his entire crew, he chose to sink the unicorn along with most of its treasure to prevent it from falling into Rackham's hands. The story implies there were three unicorns mon- corn models. The third model is revealed to be in Bagar. So, I don't know how... Oh, yes. So, like, the thing that... Um... No, I think Tintin realised this earlier, that, like, there weren't just two ships, there was yeah. three ships, and they had to find the third ship to get the secret of the unicorn. I don't know, I think they sort of always known that they were going to go to Bagar, and, but it's just, like, at this point... You know, Haddock is sober enough for them to do it, so they go there. Or drunk enough for them to do it, who, who knows which is which. Yeah. Functional enough to do it. Um, so they just sort of head over to Bagar. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I have to say, I because we were sort of in the desert zone in the... In the Orient! As yeah. adventures genre would <laughs> demand. Um, I did... Get my hopes up for an Abdullah cameo. Me too. But there wasn't one. Yeah. Um, this is why. This is why they need to make the sequel. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, are we going to see Abdullah? Is like Oliveira de Figueroa going to be there? But nah. No. We, we just we just have the, you know, we we've had enough. We don't we don't need all yeah. that. We just we just, we have, just, we just have Omar, who I think is Abdullah's dad, right? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I know Abdullah's dad was the Amir. No, he was just. But a... I don't know of what. Yeah, no, this is a different guy. Omar Ben Salad was just a merchant He's... in club with the Golden Claws. Yeah. Um... But so what is happening is that the Milanese Nightingale Bianca Castafiore is like doing a private rehearsal for Omar Ben Salad. Yeah. Um. I really liked that whenever um, Haddock sees her for the first time, he's like, oh, wow, like, what a dish. Yeah. Like, he likes her. Like, he like, likes her. Yeah. Which, yeah, got a got a big pog from me. Um, it's so great that they put Castafiore in this. Um, yeah, yeah. She doesn't get a lot of her character, no, like, she... coming through, but it's enough that, you know. yeah. That we can clap and cheer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Especially and, because the last time we saw her was in uh, Tintin and the Picaros, and that was... Yeah, it, it's... this. Oh, this... Oh, God. Just in, from Tintin and the Picaros, this movie was just like, I feel like I've had a shower. Yeah. <laughs> and Tintin is good again to me yeah. now. Like... God, just... Before watching this movie, I, like, all week I've had this sort of, like... 
dramatically melancholy sort of I'm going to lower myself into the water type thoughts where I'm just like Ugh, like is is Tintin's existence like worth the racism like has Tintin's mm-hmm. single-handedly like perpetuated the sort of like orientalist colonialist notions of the adventure genre which I mean like it has Indiana Jones exists and is like that but like watching this movie I'm like okay but it was all worth it though <laughs> <laughs> yeah which, I mean, I don't know if it is, but, like, I was feeling shit about it earlier, and now I'm feeling good about it instead. Yeah. Yeah, so Castafiore is here, and she's accompanied yeah. by... What the fuck was the was the? Oh, it was name a really that... stupid name. It was, it was like, like, Sugar is a substitute or something like this. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't write a toy, but it was so good. <laughs> it was, like, sweet aperitif or something. Yeah, something like that. Um... Like, a fucking Alucard type beat. Yeah. Like, um... Because, like, she says the name and then you pan over and it's, like, it's Mr. Saccharin. Yeah. Um, and, like, he's her assistant. And we see that the... We see that the ship is there. Mm-hmm. The ship model is there. And it is contained by... Contained in unbreakable glass. Yeah. So I think, you know what's coming you know what's coming here. Specifically say bulletproof or does it say I unbreakable it, i think it says bulletproof uh-huh, like uh-huh. there's like a diamond sign on it like it yeah it implies it can only be cut by diamonds or something yeah so and it's like again like spielberg is doing the thing where he is like setting up all the little dominoes yeah. like in a row of like, there's the bulletproof glass. There is the opera singer. Yes. There is the opera singer has been brought here by the evil guy, uh-huh. and like you know, she starts singing. And honestly, it took me like a while into the sequence, like to realize. And then like when I realized, I like <laughs> popped off. Like Spielberg lined up the perfect shot, and he just like. It's so deliciously executed. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like she starts singing. And Haddock is like, what's that? My e- my ears are bleeding. Yeah. And like Snowy is sort of yelling and whining and trying to hide under Tintin's yeah. chair. He's very damaged by the, the by her voice. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds good. Yeah, she's a really good singer. Like <laughs> It's an actual opera singer. Uh, yeah. But you know, the the whole RJ bit of opera is awful is like translated like pretty well here. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Just, just through by through the like funny reactions that we get from like Haddock and Snowy. Uh, yeah, Haddock leaves the room, I think, uh, and is like yeah. immediately being chloroformed by the villains. Yeah, and then we slowly like as the as Castafiore is like getting more and more into her area, uh, glasses slowly like one by one, pieces of glass equipment starts bursting. Yeah, I really liked how it wasn't just like, oh, when she reaches the high note and all of a sudden, like, all the glass in the room breaks and then the villains pop off. Like, no, it's like, it's a slow build up. Like, he sort of layers it on top of you. He doesn't just, like, spray it on you. Yeah. Um, Good shit, Stephen. Um, And then, yeah, so, you know, obviously... (laughs) Oh, and then JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders episode whatever it is near the end happens because uh Sakurin, like has a trained falcon that he sends yes. to go and get the the thing from the model of the ship and then Tintin sends Snowy after um after the falcon so we have a whole like Jojo's animal fight there. 
We do. Um. Then, like, um, yeah. After after this, I really want to talk about the like character moment between Haddock and Tintin. Yeah. Um. But before pre- that, we kind of skipped yes. over the scene, the the chase itself, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an insane set piece. This is a this is a one. This is a. What's it called? Like oh, a one. I take? actually wanted. To, actually, uh, I'm thinking of a different character moment than the oh, one I okay. think that you're thinking of. Um, Which one are you because thinking of? I'm thinking of. So before the opera performance, before they go to the performance, Tintin gives Haddock the special piece of paper that's like the clue to the secret of the unicorn. Oh, yeah. And he's like, keep a hold of this. Like, you can do it. And like, you can very much see that Haddock, like, doesn't like trust himself. Haddock is like, me? You're giving it to me? Like, oh my God. Like, but what if I. And Tintin is like, okay, but like, if they capture me, like, they're going to take this from me. Like, yeah. uh, obviously, Tintin sort of assumes that they're going to come after him and capture him. Um, but then basically, like, when whenever Haddock leaves the opera because he hits it and it's making his ears bleed, he walks past a bottle of alcohol. He picks up the bottle of alcohol. It is, you know, the sort of, like, that one time Snowy had to choose between the bone and King Ottokar's scepter. Like, we do that, but with Haddock. Um, and eventually Haddock, like, you know, throws the bottle at the bad guys and stuff happens. But then, like, he still ends up losing the piece of paper. And there's, like, a moment after all this shit goes down where Tintin, like, confronts Haddock about, like, lost, losing that piece of paper. And he it's very clear that, like, he's very disappointed in Haddock. Like, he says the line that really got to me where he sort of, like, looks at Haddock and is like, I can smell it on you. Yeah. Like, and it's just, like, that... Haddock's face in this moment, like, is is very heart wrenching. Like, you can tell that, like, he he has disappointed Tintin, and he knows that it's because Tintin thinks that he like took a drink of alcohol, even though he didn't take a drink of alcohol. But like, he is completely like soul crushed in having like led Tintin to believe this. And there's just like a lot of like character stuff going on, and like it's really good, and it really got to me. And like, yeah. again. Emotionally it's, speaking, everything happens so much here. It's the kind of like subtle like character moment between these two characters that like never really happens in the comic. Yeah, like probably because like at this stage in the comic, like the the relationship between like Haddock has been a character for like four or five yeah. books maybe like where they're not quite there yet. But like Steven Spielberg has the Hershey's entire oeuvre to draw from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the comic, it's, like, not really that necessary because, like, comics, like, you know, by its nature, it's, like, not that you can't put character depth into a comic because, like, of course you can. But it doesn't need it. Like, you can't just, like, have funny drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's, yeah. But here's, like, you know, Spielberg's, like, taking full advantage of, like, the live-action-ness of this to put all that emotion and like levels of character development in here. So after this nice little moment there, we yeah. get uh, we get yeah. the chase where Tintin gets on like a motorcycle. Let's uh, fucking go. Head up gets into like the what's the thing? Sidecar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did and... did this ever happen in the comics? Did Hannah no. ever go on the sidecar? Okay. It, but it feels right. It feels completely right. Mm-hmm. Like, this this whole action scene is, like, completely Spielberg. Like, this isn't a... It, 
it 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 draws a little bit from Hergé's chase sequences. Yeah, yeah, because we've definitely talked about how good Hergé's chase sequences yeah. are in general. And but like, still, like the exact logistics of this is like just completely Spielberg. Yeah, and like again, it's like where do you think Spielberg like learned to yeah. do this from? Um, it's, it seems pretty obvious to me. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So they get into this motorcycle, and then they're. They start chasing after this bird, mm-hmm. um, but also like they're being chased after by a tank. I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then they. I'm do... gonna say this chase sequence. Like this is where the likeness of the movie got. I think I saw like yeah. one of every like hundred frames. Oh, I mean, it was still that. really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you can yeah. definitely rewatch that because I don't entirely know what happened. Please tell me. It's just, I mean, I don't remember all the details, but it does like these incredibly impressive camera tricks, um, mm-hmm. where it like it just like follows this whole chase in like one fluent motion, like it's all like one shot, like there's no cuts. Uh, and it, it follows the like motorcycle as it does the RJ thing of the, the, the RJ thing of like going through like a crowded place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It does that, but then it does so much more. Like it, uh, you know, gets out of the crowd, then for a moment, for a bit, like it just follows the bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, you know, there's a bit where like Tintin's motorcycle falls apart, so he's like. He's, like, hanging down from the wheel that is, like, on the rope. I don't know the exact words to describe this. Ah. But there's, like, this, like, almost video gamey thing where he's, like, hanging from this, like, rope on that. that I, I did notice a part in... Because, like, okay, so you're, you're saying all these things. I would never... From only seeing every hundredth frame, yeah. I would never have put together that this was done in one shot because... Every, one frame out of every hundred, they're all so different from each other. <laughs> like, it, it it seems to move very fast and a lot's happened. Um, but, yeah, I, I do remember distinctly there was, like, a bit where Tintin was doing, like, trials bike type shit. Yeah. Like, he was doing bike parkour. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tintin does does, like, complete, like, unhinged like action hero uh bullshit in this scene and it rocks yeah it's like oh god like fucking remember when we were like reading cigars of the pharaoh yeah and we were just like oh my god like i can't believe tintin is doing all this unhinged action hero shit yeah like fucking remember when there was that bit in black island where snowy was like oh my god tintin like i can't believe you don't jump off that you're gonna like hurt yourself and break your neck but it's like in this movie it's like completely sold and like just make sense. Yeah. That he's doing all this. I don't know why or why, but it does. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? Cuz it it also feels like it just like completely comes out of his character, like it's just like it doesn't feel it just feels like something that like this char- this type of characterization of Tintin also just would do. Yeah. Like I don't know, like I've never heard of obvious like as we said, never heard of Jamie Bell outside of this and i'm not saying this is like a particularly nuanced performance of anything but he nails it for like what this needs to have done yeah i actually having briefly googled jimmy bell he was billy elliot yeah um which makes a lot of sense um because like he is very good at moving 
Yeah. Um, for con- like Billy Elliot is a movie about ballet. Yeah. Um, for context, fucking, fucking, what's the the Spider Man boy was also Billy Elliot. Um, Tom Holland. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot Tom Holland's name. Yeah. It's all the internet ever seems to talk yeah, about. Yeah, right. He was Billy Elliot on stage, right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jamie Elliot um, was him in the movie. Uh, yeah, ja- but Jamie Bell, not Jamie Elliot. <laughs> Jimmy Elliot. Jamie um, Elliot. <laughs> but yeah, he's. It, it makes sense that he's like a mocap performer and he's good at this. Yeah. Um. Just. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's now. Uh. He's now thirty-six years old. Uh, good but, for him. You know, it's all mocap, so like he could like reprise the role if he, if. If if things aligned for it. Damn, he was younger than me when he did this movie, huh? <laughs> Fuck. Yep. Doing that maths in my head, huh? That hurt me. <laughs> uh, I don't exactly know how this chase is resolved. Uh, it ends at one point. So it resolves with Tintin. I know the like little canisters that hold the special bits of paper are being like yeeted about the place and they yeah. go from person to person like a million times. And again, the, the, the stakes keep getting higher and Spielberg is like Spielberging. Yeah. Um, eventually Tintin got, does get all three of the scrolls. He then is holding them in such a way that he notices that like the numbers on them like the sun is shining through the paper and like the numbers are lining up and he's sort of sitting there like, oh my God, like, oh, are the numbers lining up? Oh, but this is also while the bird has the pieces of paper in its hand. So there, it, the chase sequence ends, ends when there's a standoff between Tintin holding the bird and the pieces of paper. He has those, but Saccharin has Haddock and Saccharin will kill Haddock and also Snowy unless Tintin lets go of the bird and the papers. Um... And that's like what ends up happening. Like, yeah, Sakura like throws Haddock in the water. Tintin goes and saves him, um, and loses the papers. Oh, and yeah, then we get the the character moment. Capital C, capital M. Yes, this is good. Mm, yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, um, it's... I have just written in all caps in my notes. Haddock is in love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have a they have a little moment where um, I don't know describing it f- makes it feel less feels less impactful than it is actually in the movie. But like they have a moment where Tintin is like, "There's no point. I give up." Saccharine has won, uh, and then Haddock does a whole speech at him. I mean, because uh, this is it's a very cliche, yeah. inspiring speech of the movie TM. Yeah. But it's just done well. Yeah, for a mo- it works because the movie is like the best execution of like a bare bones adventure, right? Like it's so so it makes sense that a that a movie moment that is like the most basic like inspiring character moment is also just works in this context. Yeah, because like I don't know, like the sort of the general gist of Haddock is. Like, Haddock is a person who has spent his entire life failing at the bottom of the barrel slash bottle, quite literally. Yeah. And Tintin is, like, all like, oh, no, like, I failed, and is all sad and sit down dejectedly, and Haddock is like, "Uh, well, don't give up. Keep going. But but good. Yeah. (laughs) But well written. Um... 
and you know, like the Haddock at this point, Tintin is inspired by Haddock's words to get up and keep going and do the rest of the plot. Yeah, there's like some, there's like some like one bit in what Haddock says that reminds Tintin of something, but I don't remember what it was exactly. So, yeah. Sorry. You know, it's sort of like it's the basic thing you've seen in yeah every Spielberg movie. Yeah, but it's good. But um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so they. I do actually just one more thing. I did take note of the thing because Haddock says something about like, ah, oh, when you yeah. see a wall, you just got to push through it. Oh and I'm like, yeah, that was ah, it. I have taken notice of this line because I know what's in the basement of Marlin's bike. <laughs> um, and and yeah, they they there is some like plot fuckery at this point, yeah. like Moffat style bad plot fuckery. Uh huh. But again, I don't care. I'm completely with the movie here. Yeah. And like somehow through some Morse code radio bullshit, they end up finding the Karabujan again yeah. and finding Saccharin. They find the, they again. meet Thompsons again here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like they're, they're in another part of the world here. I don't know where. It's yeah. For, it's Zadox TM. Yeah. From Yu-Gi-Oh! Um... Yeah, the Wikipedia just says, uh, just as he's ready to give up, Tintin is persuaded by Haddock to continue. With help from Thompson and Thompson, Tintin and Haddock track Sekarin back to Antwerp and set up a trap. But Sekarin uses his pistol to resist arrest. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> when his men fail to save him, Sekarin challenges Haddock to a fight using the cranes at the dock. Um, mm-hmm. Which is described like very simply, but this crane fight also slaps. Yeah, like this is where I start noticing like oh they're doing that thing from the first flashback but again yes because the first flashback had like a ship like swinging off another ship which was on fire and Haddock and Red Rackham doing like a sword fight type shit and like it seems to be like very similar choreography like there's a big swinging crane swinging off another crane they start doing a shit where like Haddock is throwing like bottles at Sekarin and he like and he's like fruit ninjaing them yeah (laughs) That was that was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then it gets into like a fight where they're like using the cranes. There's a lot of like again Rube Goldberg shit. Uh mm-hmm. and they win in the end. Yeah, there's like some bits here that would again sort of writing wise kind of lost me where yeah. saccharin is like oh i this isn't just about the treasure i didn't want to defeat you like until you remembered and i was like what like with his p- personal yeah. memory like fucking like until his ancestral genetic memories percolated through his brain like in fucking demons there like hello what is going on here <sighs> but i mean yeah, it's like sure. at the end of the movie at this point. So this dramatic, yeah. a lot is happening. Yeah. This might as well happen. Yeah. Uh, I've just realized that might be spoilers for Demon Slayer. <laughs> Who cares? I'm sorry if I spoil Demon Slayer for you. I think um, at this point you've either seen Demon Slayer or you don't care. Oh no, I'm talking like this is like in the manga. It's oh, it's um, it's, it's uh, yeah. not in the yeah, anime this is, yet. Yeah, no, this is like leaking manga. You know what? We should cut the bits out where I say it's disappointing for Demon Slayer, so people like don't notice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like the the that's final fight. They win. They win the fight. Uh, there's a bit actually, about like Haddock being becoming the real Haddock uh, through finding it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like. 
actually the the final the final victory of this movie to me on a personal level is where Haddock like picks up a bottle of alcohol and like kicks it into the sea. I'm like, yeah. oh yes, Haddock's victory over <laughs> alcohol. Oh yeah. He's he's overcome it in a way that he never does in the comic. Yeah, he really doesn't. <laughs> he needs to be poisoned by calculus to overcome <laughs> it in the comic. Oh yeah. We haven't mentioned calculus not in this at all. No. Um It's a good choice. Uh yeah. I think if they if they had made a sequel, Calculus would have been in it, 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I yeah, think, absolutely. like, from the amount of, like, major players to introduce in one movie, this is enough. Yeah, yeah. Better to, like, not ask Calculus at all than half-ass him because of everything yeah. happening so much. Yeah. Um, I would fucking love, like, Spielberg to do the Calculus affair, though. Oh, <laughs> shit! Okay, but... Space, though. Think about space. Or that. Like, like introduction was... of calculus, <laughs> and they're gonna go to space. I, I, I was thinking, uh, when, like, when this movie was over, like, oh my god, I, I want, like, Spielberg to, like, stop, like, fucking around doing, like, serious dramas and West Side Story remakes and just, like, get back to making Tintin movies. Yeah. And I was, like, running through my mind palace what, which ones I'd love to, love him to make, and I'm like, yeah... Well, obviously, at the end, they tease, like, Red Rackham's treasure, but, like, they basically, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how much they can squeeze out of Red Rackham's treasure from the way this well, yeah, movie ends already. Like, they already finished the plot of Red Rackham's treasure, basically, yeah. like, by finding Marlin Spike Hall. So yeah, they just I can say that, of... like, well, but most of this is just part of the treasure. So they, they do the bit from the end of uh, end of Red Rackham, right, where they, like, find the... They understand Catholicism... Uh, <laughs> From the Saint statue uh, that is like Saint John, and from the riddle, and then Haddock finds the island on the globe that doesn't exist. That's like where the coordinates are, and that opens it up, and there's a treasure. But they're like, oh, but this is only part of the treasure, and most of it is sunken. Because uh, this is, I was at this point, I was pogging because this is actually the exact opposite of what the end of Red Rackham's treasure is. Yeah, like. Literally, completely the opposite. Yeah. Where like they they first go to Marlin Spike and then find out that there's another set of coordinates that means something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, thought, I, I did know. think that if, was very cool. If they did do like the original plan was because this movie was produced by uh, Peter Jackson, and directed by Steven Spielberg, and the original plan mm-hmm. was that Peter Jackson is gonna direct the sequel and Steven Spielberg is gonna produce that one, and then ah. they keep like switching. Around, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I'd be on board with a Peter Jackson directed Tintin, although yeah, I don't know. When yeah, Peter Jackson do... look, when Peter Jackson cares, he can put together a good movie. Yeah. So like, yep. I, I, I and I think this would be would have been like this is a this was a passion project for like him and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So like, if he am... get to do it, maybe it would be good. Uh, it. This but, movie feels like it was a movie that took a long time and a lot of like pre-production yeah. arrangements to put together. Yeah, like yeah, and it, it feels took a like a lot of convincing, probably, to like the studios to adapt. This, yeah, this property and the uh, the sequel seems to be stuck in like on the Wikipedia. Ooh. It says it's stuck in development hell. Um, I don't think it's actually gonna happen, but you know, in the 
dream reality where Spielberg would get uh, sequels to this. I was like rattling through my brain, like even though it sets up Red Rackham mm-hmm. as the sequel. I guess they can do like a remixed version. version. That yeah, because like, like I mean, there are it. so many Tintin adventures yeah. based on they go out in a boat and find some stuff. Like yeah. they could do, they could do fucking like flight seven one four. They could do like they could do shooting yeah, star fucking... with absolutely no anti semitism in it. Like they could get Rastapopoulos in here, sure. Yeah, they could get they could get they could get Scoot in here. I would love to see him. Oh my god, I was actually wondering whenever the plane came down, I was like, are they just gonna put Scoot in here? Scoot cameo when <laughs> beloved classic Tintin character oh Scoot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like other than like doing an adventure as adventure, like like a basic Tintin adventure or like a sea adventure, I was just like rattling down in my brain, like oh my god, I would love them. I would love Spielberg to do a calculus affair. I would love him to do the Explorers on the Moon. Yeah, uh, I would love him to do Tintin in Tibet. And I realized I was just like going through our top three. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like yeah, obviously I would love him to adapt the ones that we liked most. Yeah, yeah. As long as he stays away from South America, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, don't do those. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, yeah, a, mo- a-, a moon story in this uh, in this style would, like, work really well. Listen, actually, uh, now that you mention it, he already made Indiana Jones. Like, he's already been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... like, he doesn't need to retread that ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think he has done, like, a... He has done... Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but I don't think he has done like a space ass space movie. Like, yeah, he's not been to the moon. Yeah, so I think that I I think I think that should be his next uh, priority. Taking Tintin to the moon, yeah, yeah. I don't think he can do it because nah. from the sequel tease, first Peter Jackson has to make the Red Rackham t- sequel, uh, and then pass it back to Steve to do the moon. Yeah. Adventure. That would be great. You know, actually, calling back to an earlier part in the podcast where I was saying how, like, Steven Spielberg's action se- action sequences are good and, like, not overwhelming mm-hmm. compared to some other things. What I was thinking when I was thinking about movie action yeah. sequences that are overwhelming was, in fact, the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know how I feel about a Peter Jackson sequel. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying about, like, when he actually cares about the material, because yeah. he clearly didn't care when he made The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, I, yeah. you look at The Hobbit movies and you can tell they were designed to make money. Um, yeah, maybe maybe they turned out so bad because he was all this time, he was thinking, oh, I should be making Tintin instead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His heart was just not there. Yeah. I mean, having said that, I do actually, I really like all The Hobbit movies. Like, I enjoy them. <laughs> Sometimes they're overwhelming, but I like them. <laughs> Great. Like, I'm here for a 30-minute, like, battle sequence. Like, fuck it, yeah. let's go. Let's fucking go. <sighs> I'm just concerned if Spielberg did Tintin, it would end up being, like, three hours long. Or Peter Jackson did Tintin? Uh, Peter Jackson, yeah. yeah. I still can't believe this movie was only 30 minutes long. Well, 90. Yeah, one, one hour, one hour 30. 30 minutes. Fuck. <laughs> uh, time is fake. I mean, this is why all movies should be, like... Every movie, like that, that's that, that's why why we're complaining about movies being too long because they pad them unnecessarily. Like just just cut it down to its like action sequences, like to you know just just make every scene. That's that that's that that is the thing about this movie, right? It makes every scene count. Yeah. So, 
you can make a movie in 90 minutes. And like, uh, it, it only has like that one moment where you're like, hey, wait, how did they get here? Like they're in a new yeah. place. Why did that happen? Like why, wh- where was the connection? Like it only does that once yeah. in the whole movie as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we're finished talking through the movie, right? Cause yeah. yeah. We did the ending in kind of a backward way. Yeah, yeah. Because we first started talking about the sequelties and then explained how they actually got there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah. It ends on a it ends on a uh, see you next movie that still hasn't happened in eleven years. But yeah, uh, and that won't probably ever happen. Like, let's look, I'm I can wait for the Winds of Winter. I can also wait for the next Tintin movie. <laughs> yeah, we can wait for Doors of Stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is still alive involved in this, so uh-huh. yeah. <sighs> um good movie. Great movie. And Janosh, may I say? Yes. Good podcast. Thank you for asking me to do this. Yeah. Likewise. Um I I can't believe I finished the podcast. This has never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I I'm not I'm not really feeling doing Asterix at this point. No. Time. I'll just come back to you later and be like, you want to do a separate podcast about Asterix? Um, I have... think mm. I think Asterix would be a struggle to get through, honestly. Yeah. Like, as much as I thought they were funny back then, I think we'd just struggle with the racism like all the time. Like when, if we already did it with Tintin, I think it would be just so much worse. Yeah. So. Let's finish a fucking podcast. We finished the podcast. Um, we, we, like... We took the high road to its destination, <laughs> and we are yeah. here. Yeah, I, I don't know how to process these. I don't know how to put this into words. Um, but, you know, thank you everyone for yeah. following us along on this journey. Yeah, we're, we, are, we are now going to lower ourselves slowly into the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to jump out of the spaceship. But it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Got a little heart, heart palpitation. That was me feeling an emotion, you guys. Yeah. Well. All right. Gentlemen, uh, it's been an honor. Watch this, watch this movie if you can. Uh, oh, if you... <laughs> yeah. Please watch this movie. Tell all also, your friends to watch this movie. This is. Yeah, this is a five star movie. This is this like is... Steven Spielberg's best movie. Uh, yeah. I haven't actually seen that many Steven Spielberg movies, but it's probably Steven Spielberg's best movie. Yeah, same, but Easy. I would still put it like yeah, it's probably like the best one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> out of the out of the ones I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh let me check which ones I've seen actually. Steven Spielberg. I've seen I, I really like Duel, which is his first movie. Uh and it's Jaws, and better than Jaws. Like Close Encounters, better than Close Encounters. Raiders, it's 80, better than. Because here's the thing, like, yeah. Hook? I don't know, Hook's pretty good. I can't remember, it's been a while. Probably better than But that. I like it. The only. I don't know. War what Horse? This have? is better than War Horse. Have you seen War Horse? Yeah, I cried over War Horse. Yeah. War Horse was a good movie, it really got me. I haven't seen it. This was, it, this was better than it, though. It's better oh, than the that, Terminal. Yeah. Damn, that's a good movie. This was better than The Terminal. No, it's better than Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's better than Catch Me If You Can. It's better than Ready um, Player One. <laughs> it's better than Ready Player One. 
It's a better. I don't know. I was a I was a wee lad when I saw ET and haven't rewatched it. Oh, so it's better than ET. Can't judge that. Uh, I believe I believe that. I think like the only really the only uh, Close Encounters is pretty good, but I think it's better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Duel, uh, but that's almost like doesn't even feel like a Spielberg movie. Like that's that was yeah. like his first movie, and the only the only serious contender would be Indiana Jones. But I think this is the best, like, Indiana Jones type this movie. This is the, yeah. So, there you have it. This is the best Spielberg movie. Yeah, I'm, it's, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's Steven Spielberg's final form. Yeah. He can fight God now. <laughs> and he will win. Yep. Well, um, bye, I guess. Yeah. Look, me and Sarah will return to podcasting eventually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in a different form. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll have to see if all of Werner Herzog's movies are better than this movie. <laughs> yeah. So far, I can't think of one that is better than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to see Werner Herzog direct a Tintin movie. Let's fucking go. <laughs> So anyway, uh, you know, you might hear us talk about Quoth eventually again. Yeah. We haven't killed him yet, but we will. Yeah. Uh, but for for now, I will take the high road. And I will take the low. Say late and say far in the gloaming The mist gathers gray Old moodland and brave Oh, whither say far are ye roaming? Oh, you'll take the high road and I'll take the low I'll be in Scotland afore for me and my true love will never meet again by the bonny, bonny banks of Loch Lomond.